Welcome listeners, but take heed, we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware, we have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake, so join us now, we're For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Carly and the Taco Bell loving Gryffindor to my right is Ellen. Damn it. Now I want Taco Bell. Mmm. Can I get Taco Bell after this? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so, to get there faster, let's just fly into the Phoenix flashback. Mm-hmm. Last week we covered the second half of Chapter 8, Snape Victorious, and the sort of corresponding film scenes. We reviewed Luna Tonks? Luna? Both? Finding Harry in the book slash movie. The lack of character details in the film leave movie watchers confused about Tonks and Remus's relationship. Snape thinks Harry simultaneously wants attention but also wants to hide. The Hat has a song about being brave in these dark times. Dumbledore talks directly to Nazi von Douchebag II in his speech about choosing the right path and the Golden Trio are all really assholes when they decide to not go for any WT and care magical creatures. Unless you're watching the movie, in which case, we don't see them being turds to Hagrid. During episode 209, Obama Snapeshin, our Potter pondering was, do you think Ron's second house is Hufflepuff? My name is Zach Thurston, and this is my Potter pondering on whether or not I think Hufflepuff was Ron Weasley's second house. I definitely think he portrays a lot of qualities that Hufflepuff has as far as his justice and his loyalty, although, you know, uh, his patience is certainly lacking. And eh, I don't know about him with hard work. (laughs) He certainly likes to slack off. But, I mean, his loyalty definitely was questioned at times uh, in the, you know, uh, last book. uh, Leaving the group, but he did come back, so you got to give him that. But Ron's always been one of my favorite characters, and I'm a Hufflepuff, so I guess I'll allow it for this time. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter Pondering. Is Ron's second house Hufflepuff? Simple answer is no. Ron is loyal, but not to Hufflepuff standards. I mean, he defends Ron and Hermione, and he always came back when he left or when they fought or whatever. But Hufflepuff never would have left to begin with. And I agree with Carly that Ron is just 100% Gryffindor through and through. But if I had to pick a secondary for him... It would be Slytherin. I mean, he's ambitious, he wants to do well, but he isn't opposed to shortcuts. He also has a knack for breaking the rules, just like his bestie. He's also very cunning at times, and there's a lot of evidence of him, like, subtly guessing plot twists long before they happen. But I guess really, based on the sorting hat, letting you choose your own house if you ask, it comes down to which house Ron would choose for himself. And that would definitely not be Hufflepuff or Slytherin. Like, I think he would just be Gryffindor. Hi, Carly. Hi, Ellen. Jackson here with my Potter pondering. Do I think Ron's secondary house is Hufflepuff? Nah. I mean, look, he is loyal, but his loyalty wavers. You know, he's a human being. But, um, yeah, that's a thing about Hufflepuffs. Their loyalty never wavers. He's a Gryffindor through and through, really. I don't think he has a secondary house. And I actually happen to fully agree with what was said last week. What is it with everyone saying that Hufflepuffs love food? I mean, 
I guess a lot of us do. I know I do. <laughs> but oh, but no, Ron doesn't really have a secondary house, and if he did, it wouldn't be Hufflepuff. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what score did Neville get on his Transfiguration OWL? He passed with an acceptable. Congratulations goes to Kalista White Wolf. Yay! This makes it six weeks in a row. Mike and Megan have got to be sweating now. She is starting to catch up and it seems like there's no stopping her. Or is there? You never know. For now, let's dive into the first half of Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, and the barely corresponding film scenes. Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, Part 1 The next morning, Harry and Ron meet up with Hermione in the common room before breakfast. Hoping he might actually get some support for his theory about Malfoy, he fills Hermione in on what he overheard. Ron cuts in to again suggest he might have just been showing off for Parkinson, but though Hermione thinks it would be just like Malfoy to make himself seem more important than he is, it's a really big lie to tell. Harry agrees, but they can't get any further into their conversation because people are trying to listen in. Ron snaps at a first year for pointing, causing the kid to topple out of the portrait hole. Ron laughs and says he loves being a sixth year, also celebrating the free time they will be getting. Hermione points out that they will need that time for studying, but Ron isn't deterred since they won't yet. Hermione then stops a fourth year and confiscates a fanged frisbee since they're banned. Once the student is out of sight, Ron takes the frisbee from Hermione, excited, saying he has always wanted one. Hermione scolds Ron, but it is drowned out by a loud giggle coming from Lavender Brown, who seems very amused by Ron's comment. She continues laughing and glances at him as they walk past each other, and Ron looks pleased with himself. Over breakfast, they talk about not taking care of magical creatures, wondering if anyone in their year is going to continue the class and avoiding Hagrid's eye, only giving a half-hearted wave back to his enthusiastic one. Once finished eating, they remain in their seats and wait for Professor McGonagall to confirm they each received the necessary OWL grades to continue their chosen courses. Hermione is immediately cleared for her picks and heads off to Ancient Runes. Neville takes a little longer as he signed up to take Transfiguration, but is not permitted to, having only received an acceptable. He seems upset and Professor McGonagall asks why he even wants to take it, since he never seemed to enjoy it much. Neville mutters something about his grandmother, and McGonagall snorts before saying it's time for his grandmother to learn to be proud of the grandson she's got, rather than the one she thinks she ought to have, particularly after what happened at the Ministry. Neville blushes and McGonagall continues, telling him she can't let him into her NEWT class, but suggests he takes charms instead, since he receives and exceeds expectations there. When Neville tells her that his grandmother calls charms a soft option, Professor McGonagall tells him to take it, and she will remind Augusta that just because she failed her charms OWL doesn't mean the subject is worthless. She gives a smile at the look of incredulity on Neville's face and taps his blank schedule with her wand to set it for him before he heads off. She then helps Parvati Patel, who's disappointed to learn the sixth-year divination classes are taught by Professor Trelawney, not Ferenz, then moves on to Harry. She's pleased with his grades overall, especially Transfiguration, but wonders why he didn't apply to continue potions, asking if he has given up his ambition to become an Auror. 
He responds that he thought he needed an outstanding, and McGonagall explains that he did with Professor Snape, but Professor Slughorn is perfectly happy to accept students with exceeds expectations. She asks if he wishes to proceed with potions, and Harry says he does, but that he doesn't have any books or ingredients. McGonagall is sure that Slughorn can lend him some in the meantime and gives him his schedule. She also mentions that about 20 hopefuls have put their names down for the Gryffindor Quidditch team, and she will pass the list along to him soon so he can fix trials. A few minutes later, Ron is also cleared to take the same subjects as Harry, and the two have a free period right away, as well as after break and after lunch. They return to the common room, which is mostly empty but for half a dozen seventh years, including the last remaining original member of the Quidditch team, Katie Bell. She congratulates him on receiving captain and asks for him to let her know when trials are. Harry tells her she doesn't need to try out, but she warns him not to start out like that because there could be someone better than her out there, and good teams have been ruined because captains keep playing their friends or old faces. This makes Ron look a little uncomfortable, and he begins playing with the fanged frisbee Hermione had confiscated. An hour later, they make their way to Defense Against the Dark Arts, where they meet up with Hermione, who is already looking stressed about the amount of homework she has for runes. Ron is somewhat less than sympathetic, and Hermione resentfully tells him to wait, they'll likely get loads from Snape, who arrives and orders them into the classroom. Harry looks around as they go in, thinking the room looks gloomier than it used to, with heavy curtains over the windows, and noticing the new pictures of people in pain on the walls. Everyone is quiet looking around the gruesome images, and Snape begins class saying that he has not asked them to take out their books. Hermione quickly drops her copy of Confronting the Faceless, as Snape says he wishes to talk to them first and wants their full attention. He looks over them all, his gaze lingering on Harry a little longer than everyone else, and then he says he believes they have had five teachers in the subject so far. Harry mentally acknowledges the, I believe, scathingly thinking about how he was watching them all come and go, hoping he would be next. Snape talks about how each teacher had their own methods and priorities and comments on how surprised he is that so many passed their OWL in the subject, given all the inconsistencies. He says he will be surprised if they can keep up with the NEWT work, which will be more advanced and describes the dark arts as varied and ever-changing, like fighting a many-headed monster. Harry stares at him, appalled at the loving caress in Snape's voice that goes beyond respect for the dark arts. Snape raises his voice a little as he tells the class their defenses need to be as flexible and inventive as the arts they seek to undo. He gestures to the pictures, saying they represent what happens to those who suffer the Cruciatus Curse, feel the Dementor's Kiss, or provoke the aggression of an Inferius. In a squeak, Parvati asks if an Inferius has been seen, and Snape responds that the Dark Lord has used them in the past, so it would be well advised to assume he will use them again. He walks back to his desk with his robes billowing behind him and brings up nonverbal spells, saying he believes they are all novices and asking what the advantage is. Hermione raises her hand and after Snape makes sure no one else has an answer, he reluctantly calls on her. She says your adversary has no warning of the kind of magic you are about to perform and it gives you a split second advantage. Snape isn't impressed with her answer since it's basically word for word from the standard book of spells grade 6 though he does acknowledge that it is correct. He also adds that not all wizards can do it since it's a question of concentration and mind power, which some lack. 
He looks directly at Harry as he says the last part, and Harry remembers their disastrous occlumency lessons the previous year, but merely glowers back at his professor until he looks away. Snape then tells the class to divide into pairs so one partner can try to jinx the other without speaking, as the other silently attempts to repel the jinx. Though Snape doesn't know it, Harry taught about half the class how to do the shield charm in DA lessons the previous year. None of them have ever casted it without speaking, however, so a reasonable amount of cheating ensues as people whisper the spell instead of saying it aloud. Ten minutes into the lesson, Hermione manages to repel Neville's muttered jelly legs jinx without saying a word. Normally, this would have earned her at least 20 points for Gryffindor, but Snape simply ignores it and just sweeps among the students, lingering to watch Harry and Ron struggle with the task. Ron's face is turning purple as he attempts to cast a jinx without saying a word, and Snape calls him pathetic, telling him to step aside so he can show him. He then turns his wand on his least favorite student so fast, Harry completely forgets nonverbal spells and yells Protego. His shield charm is so strong it actually knocks Snape off balance and into a desk. He straightens up and scowls, asking Potter if he remembers they were practicing nonverbal spells. Harry stiffly says yes, and when Snape responds yes sir, Harry tells him there's no need to call him sir. Several people gasp, though others are smiling appreciatively. Snape assigns him a detention on Saturday night, saying he doesn't take cheek from anyone, even the chosen one. As they are safely on their way to break, Ron laughs and tells Harry his comment was brilliant, though Hermione frowns and says he shouldn't have said it. Harry points out that he was trying to jinx him and wonders what Dumbledore is playing at, letting him teach defense. He asks if they heard him talking about the dark arts and says he loves them. Hermione responds that she thought he sounded like Harry and what he was saying when he talked about what it was like to face Voldemort. How it wasn't just memorizing spells, it was just you and your guts. She thinks that is also what Snape was saying, that it comes down to being brave and quick thinking. Harry is taken aback that Hermione found his own words as worth memorizing as the standard book of spells and doesn't argue. They are interrupted by the arrival of Jack Sloper, who was one of the Gryffindor beaters the previous year. He gives Harry a roll of parchment and asks when he's going to be holding the Quidditch trials. Harry says he will let him know, while privately thinking Sloper would be very lucky to get back on the team. He is then distracted by the slanting handwriting on the parchment and hurries off with Ron and Hermione as he unrolls the note. It is from Dumbledore, who invites him to come to his office on Saturday at 8pm to start their private lessons, with the P.S. saying he enjoys acid pops. Ron is confused by the postscript, and Harry tells him it is the password to get past the gargoyle outside his study. He is also amused that he won't be able to do Snape's detection. The movie section starts out in a very crowded corridor as Professor McGonagall directs students where to go and stops a male student from going into the girls' bathroom. The camera shifts to show Ron and Harry standing on something that puts them several heads above everyone else, watching the chaos in amusement. Harry's grin falters a little when he says, Oh, this can't be good, as he steps down and walks towards a stern-looking Professor McGonagall. She shakes her head at him and asks if they're enjoying themselves. Harry tells her he had a free period, and she responds that she noticed, but suggests that he fill it with potions, wondering if it's no longer his ambition to be an auror. Harry explains that it was, but he was told he needed to get an outstanding on his potions OWL. McGonagall tells him that's how it was when Professor Snape was teaching potions, but Professor Slughorn is perfectly happy to accept any WT students with exceeds expectations. 
Harry says, brilliant, he'll head there straight away, and as he starts to turn away, she calls after him to take Weasley with him, because he looks far too happy over there. So what they gave us here, the very little that it is, did sort of happen in the book, just nothing like this at all. And then, <laughs> that's, that's it. about right. There was nothing else from the book section that made it into the movie. I mean, you know, <laughs> we don't details, tales. We don't get any of the uh, figuring out what's going on with your schedule. You just have to figure out your classes yourself. This is very college esque. This is like class shopping in college. Go online. Yeah, just, just figure it, it out. <laughs> it's a worldwide wizarding web. Yes, the www.org. dot org. Dot W-I-Z. Yes. So basically, everything that the movie left out includes showing us the morning when Harry and Ron go and meet up with Hermione in the common room before they head to breakfast. Harry fills her in on what he overheard before his hopeless place situation. It'd be like that. He's desperately hoping that he's going to get some support at this point. Alas. But Ron is just playing anti-wingman and immediately upon Harry's description goes, he was probably just showing off for Parkinson, right? Right? Ron's such a turd. <laughs> sort of in Harry's favor, Hermione thinks that's kind of a big, big lie, lie to tell. Yeah, it but is. also in Ron's favor, it is something that Nazi von Douchebag II would do. And Hermione points that out. Yeah. It does sound like Malfoy to talk a big game, but that is a big, big lie to yeah. tell. So this is definitely Hermione's Switzerland in this moment. Why are we bringing Twilight here? <laughs> and before they can get any further into this discussion, they kind of have to turn it off because people are trying to listen in. As they do. Because it's the famous Harry Potter, the chosen one. What's he talking about? We have to know. Even if somebody's famous, I can't imagine trying to listen to somebody's conversation like that i would at least do it subtly yeah but you know there's 11 year olds that are trying to listen to his conversation so they're probably like what can well, you speak up right one of them's even pointing at him at this point and ron snaps at him for that oh which scares the kid enough that he topples through the portrait hole me and ron just laughs at him says he loves being a sixth year because now he Apparently not that different from Nazi von Douchebag II gets to bully kids. But part of it, too, is also the fact that they're going to be getting more free time since they get to drop periods and only focus on their newt studies. This is a really good conversation. It makes me laugh because Hermione's like, no, no, that's not what that time is for. It's not for you to nap. It's for you to study. You are going to need that time to study. Also, why does nobody nap? <laughs> I would totally go nap. Oh, I absolutely Give me would. a free period. I'm going to go nap. Give me a time turner and a free period. <laughs> Whereas Hermione is correct. Yes. Because she usually is. This doesn't do anything to stop Ron's excitement because he knows they're not going to need that time yet. Or he figures. It's the silly bus day. Mm-hmm. So on their way, Hermione stops a fourth year to confiscate a fanged frisbee. Because they're banned. Because they're banned. According to Filch. And as soon as that student is gone, Ron grabs it from Hermione and just goes, excellent. I've always wanted one of these. Which Shut Lavender up, Brown finds hilarious. 
and just starts giggling. I imagine that it's a little bit like Luna's giggling at Ron. Because Luna had a crush on Ron. When he made the... Ba- ba- when he made the baboon's backside comment, mm-hmm. just laughing really hard. But Lavender being slightly more normal than Luna. Only slightly. Only slightly. <laughs> well, Luna is a delightful kind of quirky, whereas the way that Lavender was written is supposed to be that stereotypical. She's very, I'm a 16-year-old girl yes. who has a very big crush, and all she wants to do is snog me. Yes. But so she's laughing while they walk past each other and she keeps looking back at him. And Ron naturally loves his attention. He He's pretty pleased it. with himself. You know, he picks up on it, quotes, big air quotes, because he doesn't get that she likes him. He's just like, somebody's paying attention to me. Oh, hello. I'm funny. <laughs> yeah. So once they're in breakfast, they talk about how they aren't continuing care of magical creatures, Ugh. the turds. And they wonder if anybody in their year is going to. And you and I talked about this a little bit. Because I'm upset. I don't understand how there's not one kid in sixth year that loves animals enough to be like, I'll do it. I'll help Hagrid. Dude, if you're the only one, you get to make the curriculum. (laughs) Right? I feel like they're assuming nobody else did. But there's got to be somebody who wants to do something. There's a good little Hufflepuff in there who's like... Thing to- I want to be a magizoologist. Let me go take care of my right. animals. They're so nervous about this, though, that they will barely make eye contact with Hagrid, who's waving at them. I mean, and they're just like, hey, I get it. back. And then after they finish eating something that they don't show us in the movie at all, they stay in their seats and wait for Professor McGonagall to come to them and check their OWL grades to make sure that they can take the classes they want to continue taking. Naturally, Hermione is immediately cleared for all of her choices and heads off first to Ancient Runes. Her first class is the only class she didn't get an outstanding in Defense Against the Dark Arts. That's hilarious. Neville is the next person who gets to go. And you guys don't get it. Neville's like, I just love him so much. I know. I love when I get to the focus on him in the seventh book. Mm-hmm. And just the bubble up of genuine pride I feel for a made up character on paper. <laughs> I like, I just, I'm so proud of him and everything that he achieves and who he is. And oh. And that book's when his grandma's finally proud of him, too. I know. And you know what? Honestly, she should be proud of him right now. Which she should, which is what we're getting says. to. Yeah. So it takes him a little bit longer to settle his schedule because he applied to take Transfiguration, but McGonagall doesn't think that he should. Because she doesn't think he can handle the course load, having only received an acceptable. Which was our trivia question. Mm-hmm. But I love this. We see McGonagall get to be the kind of stern teacher frequently. But in this moment, we get her being such a very good, sweet teacher. Yeah. And she's being like, I'm sorry, but my course load is is pretty heavy. And I also didn't get the impression that you ever yeah, I really didn't think liked. you liked it. Why do you want to take Transfiguration? And Neville's just like, well, my grandmother. Blah, and, blah, blah, blah. and this is when McGonagall gets pissed. I and know, she's, she's like, just like, well, it's Augusta. time for your grandmother to learn to be proud of the grandson she's got mm. rather than the one she thinks she ought to have, particularly after what happened at the ministry. So I love that so much because you can feel McGonagall's proud of him. And he even blushes, which makes me happy. And it shows that 
yes, she is a very stern teacher and she is very no nonsense, but and annoyed almost, with benevolent times. Yeah. But it almost makes these kind of moments more genuine because you know that she's not just stroking your ego. You know that she's not just appeasing your feelings. You know that she genuinely believes this about you. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's saying it. I think that in this moment, this is really like a teacher, even though the student isn't strong in your subject, it's still a teacher being able to see the strengths that he the does strengths have that yeah. he does have yeah so he she's like oh you can go to herbology professor sprout will be happy to take you with an outstanding which obviously hell yes neville for getting an outstanding well i'm positive he applied for that but she suggests that he takes charms instead of transfigurations because he got the exceeds expectations in that i will say that everybody thinks he's so stupid and so worthless at magic but exceeds expectation in charms is really good. And acceptable in a subject that you hate yeah. is good. He got exceeds expectations in Defense Against the Dark Arts, too. He did. And I think that that's really telling that he is a very smart and talented wizard. He just wasn't given the proper tools to be... Or support. Or support, yes. his. Gr I mean, grandma dumping on you all the time saying that you're not as good as your dad. It'll mess with your head. It will, especially when you're 11. Yeah. So, of course, Neville didn't shine. Yet. Yet. He will. He'll chop the head off of Nagini and we'll all be so happy of him. This is actually my favorite part of this section. This is really good. Because McGonagall suggests he takes charms instead. And Neville says, my grandmother says charms is a soft option. Sassy McGonagall. Oh, I love this. Yeah. With a wand drop just goes, you sign up for charms. I'll remind Augusta that just because she failed her charms, OWL, doesn't mean the subject's worthless. And then you just have this moment where Neville's like, what? LOL, grandma's not perfect. I love it. But I have a thought. Did McGonagall teach Augusta or are they the same age? I bet they're the same age. I think they're the same age. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking too. But why would you call something a soft option? You need charms to be an auror, so your son would have had to take charms. Why would you call it a soft option? she couldn't do it. Well, uh, still, but like, get out. Who cares? <laughs> it's. I think that that's silly when people like drop something just because they can't do it. I can't do rocket science, but you know what? I think space is cool. Right? <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, space travel. Who needs it? Yeah. Because I can't figure out how to make a rocket fly. Well, I'm sure she feels like she was successful enough without it and blah, 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 blah. But whatever. I wonder what Neville's grandpa did. Yeah. I wonder if she was just like a Mrs. Weasley stay-at-home mom kind of dealio, which I don't is know. an important job. She's so job. feisty and badass. She could definitely be like Mrs. Weasley-esque. Yeah. Not as kind and accepting off the bat, but... Not off the although bat. Although Mrs. Weasley has her moments, too, with the twins. Oh, yes. Anyway, the next person to get their schedule settled is Parvati Patel, who is very disappointed because she's continuing on with divination but is going to have professor trelawney as a teacher who she always loved too but she really wanted forens again i like how the book describes her as a little crestfallen but yeah. she skips off to yeah. go see professor trelawney so do her and lavender lav lav take it probably I'm lav sure. lav's probably like tell me about my future with ronald bilius weasley yes <laughs> Totally. That's what she does. That's what she uses it That's for. That's absolutely what every 16-year-old girl would use. Yeah, we got the eight ball. Divination like, for Does it. Zach like me? <laughs> Flip it over. Oh, no, he doesn't. Okay. 
does. What is it? Outlook hazy. Try again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what you go on all? like a website where it'll tell your future and be like, does Brandon think I'm cute? <laughs> no. Nobody thought I was cute as a kid. <laughs> anyway, it is now Harry's turn because we're going alphabetical. I love how excited she is. And yeah, she's super happy with his exceeds expectations and transfiguration because he was averaging about acceptable when he had that meeting with her. So this shows a bump in improvement. But she wants to know why he didn't apply to continue potions. Did you give up on your ambition to become an Auror? Harry's just like, well, you said I needed an outstanding and potions to keep taking it. And McGonagall's just like, ah, yes, well, you did with Professor Snape, but Professor Slughorn is perfectly happy to accept students with exceeds expectations. So do you want to take potions? I feel like Snape set that expectation so he didn't have to teach any WT potions. How many kids got outstanding? I mean, Hermione did. At least one. (laughs) But, like, that would make your... Well, that would be nice. Have a small class size, but still, like... I think it's very telling that some teachers choose to take on lesser understanding. If Snape had continued teaching potions this year and Hermione was the only one with an outstanding and they had to do one-on-one lessons. You know what I frequently think about is that Snape has to teach Luna potions. (laughs) (laughs) And she's just like putting little flowers in her little potion bottles. And he's like, what? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's That's a good thought. It's a good thought. But I think that this is really telling of how teaching is, is because sometimes you do have that teacher that only wants to take on the exceptional. And that's fine. But I do think it's really important that sometimes you help make those, quote, less exceptional students into the exceptional. Because you can do that. And all the teaching classes I took... It was always, you can help your students succeed if you do X, Y, Z. And you just have to pay attention to your students. And McGonagall pays very well attention to her students. And Slughorn, with the students he sees potential in, pays attention to them. (laughs) So it's just kind of like, if you take that time and understand your students, you're going to get a better result. Right. And Snape doesn't want to build any sort of relationship with anybody. So no, he's like he 85,000. He genuinely just wants the students that portray natural talent. I'm actually surprised that he accepts exceeds expectations into the Defense Against the Dark Arts in EWT because Ron takes it and Ron didn't get an outstanding. Yeah. But, I'm sure that that's a little different. Maybe. Or perhaps because he's finally getting to teach the subject that he wanted to teach. He wanted to make sure he had students. Yeah. Because again, could you imagine if it was just him and Harry? Oh my God. Him (laughs) and Harry and Hermione. Hermione Hermione got the exceeds expectation. That's true. It's like him and Harry. Yeah. Yeah, They'd literally be him and Harry. Probably it. He looked at that and just goes, damn it, I'll take exceeds expectations. Yeah. Not doing that game. No, thank you. So Harry does say, yes, I definitely want to proceed with potions, but I don't have any books or ingredients or anything. And McGonagall says that I'm sure Slughorn's going to lend you some in the meantime till we can get yours. Here's your schedule. So we lightly get this scene in the movie when Ron and Harry are laughing and pointing at all the little students that are running by and confused about where they're going. 
like shut up y'all the first day of transfiguration y'all got lost so why are you being rude why don't you help some of them but professor mcgonagall is like come here potter over here get your ass over here here. (laughs) she like does the eye thing she's like look at me i didn't even hear her say his name she does. To she call says, him over. I just saw Harry. St- I Potter, she was like staring daggers at him or something. He was like, oh, this yeah. can't be oh, good. This can't be good. <laughs> so she calls him over and she's like, you need to go to potions, blah, blah, blah. They have that whole conversation that we literally basically just Although said. I think it's really funny because the movie totally makes it sound like it wasn't her who told him that. He was just like, I was told that I needed an outstanding in potions to continue well, not because yeah, they told the me. career advice yeah. so i yeah. was told i, I was to- well he could have said well i thought you said you know yeah. it didn't have to be i was told who the fuck told you that potter the head of house your head Her- of house hermione. the woman standing in front of you come on hermione <laughs> but then mcgonagall gets the best sassy mcgonagall line that she gets in the movies in the book she has lots but yes. in the movie she's like please take weasley he looks far too happy over there so they go off to potions together and that's just a very teacher response it and i love very, it i love it I when love you know it. your students that well and you're like get 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 your ass away from me i don't have time for this and oh. that's about all that the movie really had that, that lined up has. with it yeah and then they fuck off and go to potions. potions. Yeah, but it skips over, I mean, everything else. <laughs> yeah. In this chapter, this half of the chapter. Because McGonagall also tells Harry that about 20 people have put their names down That's to so try out people. for Gryffindor Quidditch team. She said she'll pass the list along to him and then he can set up trials when he can. And then a few minutes after that, Ron is also cleared to take the same subjects. But they have a free period right away. This is not something the movie did. The movie had him go straight to potions. They don't get any downtime in the movies at all. Like, at all. Until the seventh one when they're just sitting around in the tent. Yeah. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. But they have the free period right away. Plus, they get another one after their break and another one after lunch. Hmm. So. They get a break and a break? Basically, it's free period, class, break, free period lunch free period is what the schedule sounds like there it is to me on this day yeah i just think it's nice especially for the 11 year olds to have a little break like i guess in the first book she didn't do a very good job of explaining that they do get little breaks in their day where they can go back to the common room and just be like or like sit in a chair for Let's 15 minutes and just or be something. like Ugh. take a nap yeah Because it's hard. When I was in college and there wasn't anywhere for me to go except, like, my car. (laughs) We had a commuter lounge. We had a commuter lounge, too, but I never found it. boring AF. (laughs) I never found it. I just went to my car and would sleep if I was tired. So they head to the common room for their very first free period. And it's mostly empty except for some of the seventh years who probably also end up with a lot of free periods to yeah, keep you, up with their newt studies yeah also you're probably mostly done with your magical education at that point and only really have to take the two, specific two, ones classes. getting yeah. ready for your specific career choice bro i'd sleep so much in my seventh year <laughs> i don't know there might be a lot of work to maybe do. <laughs> but one of the seventh years there is katie bell she is the last remaining original member of the Gryffindor Quidditch team from when Harry first started. I like that this is Harry's thought. That's so sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is the girl. She was on my team. 
But she congratulates him for getting captain, saying she had a feeling he'd get that. And we had talked before wondering why she didn't get it. So I just have to kind of wonder if maybe she didn't want it. Maybe, or maybe Angelina suggested that Harry has more... Leadership skills? Yeah, leadership skills. Maybe Katie's more like, I'll just, you know, I'm I'm your backup crew. Yeah. Which is fine. That's an important role. Like, every role on a team is important. The, I don't know sports. <laughs> I don't know sports ball. <laughs> the, the keeper is just as important as the chaser. And the seeker is, even though people say, like, Quidditch is so stupid because one person catches one ball and the game is over and they win that's not true it's not necessarily true that's not how it works because in the fourth one when crumb catches the snitch but ireland wins yep it only gives you 150 points and it just means the game is over yeah if you're not up by that many points you know you're not gonna win if you catch the snitch so yeah and crumb just knew that they would never catch up enough yes and so he just wanted to end it on his terms. And that's what they say. Yes. I think that maybe Katie is a good uh, support system for the captain. Yeah. I could see that. Especially since she asks him to let her know when the trials are going to be. Her. She's so And sweet. he's like, you don't need to try out. I've seen you play. And she says, you don't want to start out like that because there could be someone better than me out there. And good teams have been ruined when captains just keep putting their friends on the team or playing familiar faces. And Ron looks at the floor. <laughs> Ron's just like, oh, shit. But I think it's interesting that she says that because there was never any indications of tryouts for any of the players except for the roles that needed to be filled. We never saw Fred and George try out again. Harry never had to try out again. No, he didn't. None of the previous captains ever held tryouts unless that player was gone and they had to fill an empty yeah, position. Yeah, Angelina held it for the keeper, right? Keeper and beaters. Oh, and the beaters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, they had to for beaters considering but I guess that Fred and George were kicked off the team. But <laughs> I think that maybe because literally the entire team is gone. Like there's nobody. It's, I mean, I guess Ron, Katie, and Harry. And that's not even half of a Quidditch team. <laughs> no, it's not. So I think maybe she's just like, and that's a fair point. You don't know if there's better people because they haven't held these open tryouts. No, Nobody's they been haven't. able to be like, hey, look at me. I'm good. I can do this. Go me. When Harry got kicked off the team, did they hold tryouts for Seekers? They seekers? held the tryouts for Seekers as well. And that's how Jenny ended up in the position. Oh, that's so right. I forgot. They did that too. But that was the only reason why they had to because they had to they fill the position. Because they got the team. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they never just did tryouts to make sure they had the best players. Now, granted, by that point, like Oliver, their team was undefeated. Yeah, I feel like Oliver was like, I have the best team. I don't need to look anymore. Yeah. We just keep getting fucked over. <laughs> yeah. So like you were saying, Ron is kind of uncomfortable because now he's it. really worried he's not going to make it back on the team. And he starts playing with that fanged frisbee that Hermione had confiscated. Eh, you know, I just think that's so funny. Could you imagine being the fourth year? That that was taken from. And then you see the play prefect playing what with it. fuck? I would be so mad. I'd be like, give me my money back. Or like, like you can keep it. Just pay me for it. Send it to my parents so I can have it when I'm at home or right. something. Like, come on. Anyway, now their break is over. And they're heading to their official first class. Which in the book, definitely not the movie, but in the book, is Defense Against the Dark Arts. 
and they end up meeting up with Hermione there. I called it a break. It wasn't a break. It was their free period. So the free period has ended. And they head to Defense Against the Dark Arts, meet up with Hermione, who has just finished Ancient Runes. And she's already stressing because of how much homework she got. I can't handle Ronald Billius Weasley in this moment. He's <laughs> no like, sympathy. He yawns and he's like, it's a shame. You have we a lot of homework. Really good break, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. But Hermione has the good response of, just wait. We're probably going to get tons from Snape. And then that comment was like the announcement of his arrival he's standing outside the, the doorway timing is like and there's my cue he shows up and just does that snape thing where he orders his them into the glass room yeah it's such a disgrace that we don't get any defense against the dark arts classes because i'm really disappointed by that they decided to make it a teeny bopper romance movie <laughs> instead of uh which there's a lot of teeny bopper moments Yes. But I just think it's so streamlined for moving the plot forward. So right. extra classes? Nah, we don't have time for that. Disagreement how... with Hagrid? No. That's no. not important in the end because they get over it. Like, I think it's important and it's important character development. And they just uh, are like, deuces. And also, how do you have actors like Alan fucking Alan Rickman? Alan fucking Rickman and Maggie Smith and not give them as much fucking screen time as possible? They haven't had a transfiguration class since the second movie. No, it's ridiculous. Wow. I'm upset. No, we don't get enough magical classes. I really no. hope the TV show shows us more of the classes. Because the producers are totally listening to this show. Absolutely. If you don't have Professor Ben's, I'm going to be pissed. And Peeves. And Peeves. I know that you guys are going to put in Peeves because everybody's already complained about that. But... Why would you not put in History of Magic? Give me a montage of Harry and Ron falling asleep. I know, right? Please. Oh, my God. And him not knowing the students' names is just top-notch. Oh, yeah. Getting the letter right, but completely wrong last name otherwise. Miss Grant. Miss Grant. No, I love it. Granges. <laughs> yeah. So like, oh, my gosh. No, I do need that. But they just don't do anything extra in this movie. It's just... Is this important to the end result of Harry? No? Okay. No, we're not going to yeah. have that. Mm -mm. So Boo. anything extra. But there's important things that they focus on in the books that just build up so much of that that we, we just miss so much of it in the movies. And it's disappointing. And I know that movies can only be so long and blah, 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 blah. And they probably didn't realize just how popular the series was going to be when they started making the movies. But I'm hoping that they learned and that they do it right the second time around. I am curious, which if you want to throw this in with your Potter pondering that we're going to ask later, if you have only watched the movies, was your attachment to the characters really deep? Because I feel like the only reason my attachment to the characters was so deep was because I had read the stories and I had had this character development from behind. I don't know. I feel like considering that we're specifically comparing the books to the movies, most people probably have read both. I hope that you've read both. Read and watched. Sometimes you just, yeah. it's, it's, you don't want to read the books. And, and we I get it. very detailed summaries. Yes, so you are basically reading them with us. It's true. But I was just curious. And especially since we have seen the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom at least every year. Mm -hmm. We've at least seen it. Yeah. And every single time it's been a little bit different. Mm -hmm. This time in particular, Harry notices that it's a lot gloomier. 
He thinks yeah. Snape misses his dungeon because he's got these heavy curtains over the windows. And he hung up a bunch of pictures of people like in pain and being tortured and just really disturbing images on the walls. So everybody's just like looking around at these gruesome pictures like what the fuck is going to happen to us this year snape is the original emo kid (laughs) absolutely but snape starts his class saying i did not ask you to take out your books because of course hermione is mid taking out her book so she just like drops her copy of confronting the faceless as snape continues saying that he wants to speak to them first and he wants their undivided attention it's just unnecessary like you know she's not gonna not pay attention right he's so sometimes most of the times a lot of the times i think it's important to have a conversation with your class especially on the first day especially when you're a teacher who's been there but having your book out doesn't mean you're not paying attention regardless it's annoying (laughs) he like scans the whole room making eye contact with all of them as he's talking naturally like lingering on harry a little extra not important not important at all says i believe you've had five teachers in this subject so far and harry's just sitting there like you believe yeah you believe like you haven't been watching them come and go hoping you'd be next the whole fucking time this kills me kills me he does manage to not say that one out loud though you know he has a little more trouble later Snape also makes a comment how each teacher had their own methods and priorities when teaching. And he says that he's surprised so many passed their OWL in the subject, considering all of the inconsistencies they faced. And I feel like Harry at that point has just got to be sitting there like, yeah, well, thanks to me. <laughs> As everybody else that was in the yeah. DA was just like, yeah, well... Thanks to Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Not for us, old DA lads. Right? That's Ernie. I love Ernie. But Snape also will be very surprised if they can keep up with the Newt level Defense Against the Dark Arts because it's far more advanced. He describes the Dark Arts as being ever-changing, that it's like fighting a mini-headed monster, so I assume like a Hydra, mm-hmm, where you cut off thinking. one head and two come back. So I do agree that inconsistencies in teachers... And curriculum can massively affect your student oh, learning. Oh, absolutely. But come on. They didn't all suck. Lupin taught a lot about dark creatures. Quirrell, I assume, taught some good information about vampires, right? Because he was yeah, worried about least. vampires. Moody taught them. I mean, look, Moody taught them a shit ton about curses. Yeah, and how to resist yeah. the Imperious curse. Like, that's really important. So everyone seems to The have- only one that was actually useless- was Lockhart, the fucking appendix of the Wizarding World, and Pepto Bitch Mall, yeah. the fucking, I mean, she's pink, so she maybe the spleen. You don't really need a spleen, right? Spleen. <laughs> I don't know. She's the spleen. You could remove her and not even notice. <laughs> Just the tip of your finger. But it's not fair to say that they were all, you know, fairly useless because it seems like every year people pass their exams yeah because they don't show anybody like except for this year they don't show anybody taking remedial like potions or defense against the dark arts or anything like i mean they say harry's taking remedial potions but lies (laughs) but like snape bubby back off 
it's yeah. just not it's not an, uh, an attractive characteristic of you to be like this like what I mean, he has very few attractive characteristics, let's be honest. The most attractive thing about Snape is that he was played by Alan Rickman. <laughs> that's, that's accurate. That's accurate. But anyway, the way that he's talking about the dark arts is just absolutely horrifying Harry. Because he's just like, dude's in love with the dark arts. Like, that is yeah. an unhealthy relationship right there. Like, you love the dark arts can we talk about how maybe dumbledore should have some like standardized classroom posters for the <laughs> he walks in and he's like why are the people being tortured on the wall these 11 year olds honestly i think it would have been hilarious kind of a slap in the face to snape but also had led to a more consistent education in defense against the dark arts if curriculum. dumbledore had been like all right snape you're gonna teach potions but I'm going to let you write the curriculum for Defense Against the Dark Arts that our random teachers have to follow. You know, I don't agree with many standardized things, but I do think that standards are important, especially in situations like this. Yes. And yes, I think Snape probably would have been able to produce a very good curriculum. I think that Barty Crouch Jr. would have been able to make a very good curriculum. Yeah. Because he was tortured by the dark arts for a long time. Did he like them? Yes, he did. But he was also... Did he love them like Snape loves them, yes. though? Yes. I think he did. Snape loves them. Snape and the dark arts sitting, sitting in, in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. A Dementor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I'm getting at is Harry feels like it goes beyond just a simple respect for the dark arts. At this point, Snape, who was doing that Snape thing where he was talking kind of softly to really make them hang on every word, now raises his voice and informs them that their defenses need to be as flexible and inventive as the arts they seek to undo. Those are basically his exact words. I mean, that's fair. And at this point, I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. Like, he is genuinely a good... He knows good what he's talking about information resource. imparter he's a good resource I, I can't call him a good teacher because he's not no. but he is a good information imparter because let's not ignore the fact that when we do get onto the potions class there are 12 people that passed with exceeds expectations at least and there was probably more that had acceptable too i will say most of them are slytherins which only four it was but, four Slytherins, four Ravenclaw, three Gryffindor, and a Hufflepuff. Okay, Ravenclaw makes sense. But because there's so many Slytherins, it makes me feel like he took that time. Oh, for sure. To just be a little extra to make sure that his house, you know. Probably. For just sure. Just annoying, but whatever. Anyway, he points out the pictures, the gruesome pictures hanging all around the room. Those poor 11-year-olds. Letting the class know that they represent... The suffering from the Cruciatus Curse or the Dementor's Kiss or what happens to those who provoke the aggression of an Inferius. Which I frequently do in Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The mention of Inferius causes Parvati to squeak. She wants to know if one has been seen. And Snape just says that the Dark Lord has used them before, so you can assume he's going to use them again. But at this point, I think that's saying none have been seen yet. I don't like 
that he is teaching teenagers and he is still calling Voldemort the Dark Lord. I get it. I feel like Dumbledore may have done that a couple times too. But Snape is very consistent. Yes, very. And Harry points Calls him that out. out and I think it's a fair point out. Like you shouldn't, if you are playing this dumb role as well as you want to be, maybe don't do that. <laughs> well, I think the thing is, he's never going to be so cowardly that he refers to him as he who must not be named or you know who. But he also knows better than to call him Voldemort. I don't like it. I don't either, but I get it. Like, I guess, yeah. It, like, he has to pretend like he's on his side. Yeah. He's not going to call him by his <clears throat> essentially first name, even Tom. though right, he's not going to do that for sure. So I feel like settling on the Dark Lord. I guess that's the most is gonna be neutral the most, territory. Yeah, yeah. like he, there are not a lot of other options that don't either make him look like an absolute coward, which we know he can't do. Okay. Or to be absolutely irreverent towards him, yeah. which we also know he can't do. But I'm intrigued with this conversation that he has with Pavardi, regardless of what he calls Voldemort. They're talking about in Fury. They don't ever in any moment of this movie, explain what inferior are. Nope. So when Harry goes to the lake and he's getting attacked by dead bodies, you're like, what, what is happening? Fuck? Right. We'll it's get to like, that when we get to that, for sure. But yeah. But they don't take any time, because we don't go to this class. They no, don't take any don't. time. And I really just, I want to know how everyone else feels about that, because I feel like we're pretty, we're pretty like, yeah, about it. But, it's annoying. Yeah. So then we get Snape flouncing and billowing his way back to his desk. <laughs> Flowing. Yes. <laughs> He's a bat. And he starts talking about nonverbal spells, saying, I believe you are all novices. What's the advantage? Does anybody know? <sighs> I hate this response. That well, he has. it's just so fucking annoying because he literally doesn't want to call on Hermione, who is obviously the first person to raise her hand and then what ends up being the only person to raise her hand and i get it i have had As those teacher, moments it's very frustrating when you're teaching and you have taught and you know that things that like people should be raising their hands and you still only have that one the student same that one you know over is and listening. over and over again however he is asking them a question about something he hasn't yet taught that is true that is true does anybody know? Hermione raises her hand, and after making sure that nobody else wants to answer, he finally calls on her. He could just be like, I'll just teach you. Right. Or you could just tell him. But it's fine. It's fine to ask and just see if anybody has a theory. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, Hermione does not have a theory about it. She has words that she can regurgitate from a textbook. Which isn't always useful, I will say. And it's one of the main reasons why I don't think Hermione's secondary house is Ravenclaw. I think she is a clever girl. I think she's very talented. I she's do think she's smart. <laughs> but I think that, yes, she is. Absolutely, Hermione is a, a velociraptor. velociraptor. Absolutely, Hermione is a velociraptor. And I think her secondary house is Slytherin. The only reason I tend to lean towards her secondary house being Ravenclaw is because she said that the hat considered putting her in Ravenclaw. 
And but I, she could also lie and be like, and it also she didn't want to admit that the hat was considering yeah. Slytherin. It could be just a way of talking herself up. Like, I know I'm so smart. Megan, who's on Swish and Flick, also believes that Hermione's secondary house is Slytherin. I mean, she kept a woman in beetle form in a jar for a long ass time. She made zits appear on somebody's face that Permanent said ones. sneak. Permanent ones. Yes. Now, granted, she didn't make them appear. It was the choices you make. She made but the still, choice, but... That is very sneaky. It is very sneaky. She set a teacher on fire. She did set a teacher on fire. She... And then is upset when Harry attacks a teacher in their third year. You attacked a teacher! <laughs> Remember yeah, that time no, you set somebody on fire, Hermione? Right? <laughs> Yeah, I think she is very smart, and I think she is very good at absorbing information. But yeah. I don't know Osmosis that she is, is always the best at regurgitating it. She is in potions. We we see that in this one. Mm-hmm. And even Snape points that out to her. He says, yeah, that's basically word for word from the standard book of spells grade six. Although in essence, it is correct. Like, no, it's not correct in essence. It's it just, is correct. It's correct. <laughs> I don't know if you were just hoping for somebody to have like the instinct about it rather than. I'm curious if it's like if you don't understand the language, like if you're literally just saying it and you don't understand what it means. OK, but Hermione understands she what is. it means. She's not dumb at all. Like she is definitely a very smart girl. So if in essence it's somebody like Ernie and he says it. And clearly, there's no lights on upstairs. I mean, like, he's that's the one Hufflepuff Ernie that is smart. made it to potions. He is smart. But if it's somebody like that and you don't see, like, the lights on yeah. behind the eyes, like, of course not. But he adds on to what Hermione said, probably what he was hoping that someone would intuit, that since it's a question of concentration and mind power... Not all wizards can do it because many lack this. And of course, he looks right at Harry as he's saying this. And this makes Harry just be like, well, I mean, if he's going off of our Occlumency lessons last year, I can't say he's wrong in that sense. But to be fair to Harry, he didn't really want to learn Occlumency. He wanted to keep figuring out what was down that corridor. Eh, He didn't try. Again, he manages to hold his tongue, doesn't say anything back, just glowers. He's got some strength Snape in this. Snape actually looks away. So he has a staring contest with him and wins. I mean, get it, girl. Yeah. Well, boy. No, get it, girl. <laughs> I said what I said. All right. <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> but then Snape says, all right, everybody divide into pairs. One partner is going to try and jinx the other without speaking because we're doing nonverbal. While the other is going to try to repel the jinx again In without speaking because nonverbal. And Harry's sitting there like, well, I taught half of this class how to do shield charms in DA. So at least they got that half down. But none of them have done it silently. So this just leads to cheating. Yeah. Trying to whispering. Like, whisper it or mutter it instead of actually enunciating the spell naturally 10 minutes into this lesson hermione repels neville's muttered jelly legs jinx i don't like that he used the jelly legs jinx i feel like that's a pretty mild one though yeah but you know it's been used on him i'm just surprised well, at neville's uh, i mean hermione audacity. used it on ron so and he had to wobble around until she could find the counter curse i feel like that's just karma okay 
but she repels it anyway. So without saying a word too, she does it non-verbally and any other teacher in this castle would have given Gryffindor 20 points for that. But Snape just ignores it because he's a douchebag. <laughs> I'm and really... he just flounces and billows among the students. Yeah. Stopping to give some extra attention to Harry and Ron because douchebag. I'm very curious if there is a way to teach how to do nonverbal spells. Because it is required in all of the classes. There's got to be some like... When you're thinking about it, you know, think this very specific, like, think the jinx, think the jinx, think the, like, you know, I don't, they don't, he doesn't give any direction on no. how to do it. And I feel like that's not, you just think the spell? Like, is I, that literally? I think that's literally what it is. There's got to be more to it. <laughs> I know that, I know that that's how magic works most of the time. But I feel like there's at least something you could offer as, like, advice. Oh, make sure that your mind is... Come on, man. You taught Aquamancy. Like, make sure your mind is clear. Make sure that you're focused on literally the spell and what it's going to do. And maybe that will help. Like, he doesn't offer any direction, which is annoying. Especially because this specific thing is going to be expected of them in every single class. Right. And I think that since this is the first day... He maybe just wants to see what they can, can do, do and then I hope so. He'll go back and maybe since Hermione achieved it, a real good teacher would actually talk to her and be like, what did you do right? What what helped you do this? How did mm -hmm. you succeed? And make it a conversation because when you can help kids take ownership of their own education, like I'll have kids all the time be like, can you draw this for me? No, you draw it and, like, and no. I'll tell you. It's like I can give you this piece of paper and you can practice it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can show you how to do it, and then you can practice it before you do it on your final artwork. But if I do it for you, you're never going to learn. learn. Yeah. So doing that conversation, having that practice, letting them take the ownership in it is going to teach them so much better than just being like, this is what you need to do. Go try it and just experiment with this. I don't have an actual problem with that being the first no, day. No, I don't either. If he never goes back and breaks it down for them. And I don't think he does. Probably not. But I get that it's probably something really difficult to teach. But just telling your students, hey, think about it. What? What? <laughs> like, focus fully on this spell. And that's going to be your best bet. Right. Like, that's all you got to say, man. Ron. So face. anyway, he is lingering on Ron and Harry to watch them screw this up. Just waiting for the moment to pounce, I'm sure. Is this the part where Harry like... Pounce. Everybody looked like they had overdosed on you know poo. I don't think so. Because they're all like concentrating. Oh, uh, possibly, yeah. I think that's what's going on. I don't know. It's been it's a while funny. since I actually read the chapter from yeah. when I has been like, that was earlier this week and it was a long week. This <laughs> was my first full week back to school in a month because we had two weeks off for winter break. And you got some snow days. And then, no, the first week back, I had a kidney stone. Well, that too. And I missed two days because of that. So I only did three days. And then the next week, we had Monday off for Martin Luther King Day. Tuesday, we went to school. Wednesday, we had a cold day. Cold Thursday, day. we went to school. Friday, we had a snow day. So this week, I actually had to teach five days in a row, and I'm exhausted. It'd be like that. Anyway, Ron's face turning totally purple. You know poo. Looking like, took a bunch of you know poo. He's trying so hard to cast the jinx without saying a word because Snape is standing right there. Like, he's really trying 
to not mutter it or whisper it or anything. So he's just verbal in the face until Snape calls him pathetic, which <sighs> issues right there. He tells him to step aside so he can show him. And this is not how you teach. He is not showing him anything. He's just going to attack Harry, which he does so, so quickly that Harry's just like, fuck not verbal spells, just Protego. screams Protego and produces a shield charm so strong it knocks Snape over into a desk. LOL. But Snape stands back up, says, Potter, do you remember that we were practicing nonverbal spells? And Harry's just like, yes. To which Snape says, yes, sir. And Harry replies, there's no, no need, need to, to call, call me sir, professor. The best part in the entire series. And naturally, everybody gasps. Well, I, I love snorted. the sassy Harry moment so much. And how did we not get this moment in the movie? The movie really cheated us here. The best line in the entire series. Literally the entire series. And then Snape gives him detention for Saturday night because he doesn't take cheek from anyone. Not even the chosen one. Especially not the chosen one. Especially not the chosen one. But at this point, they're making their way to their next break. Making my way to my break. And once they're safely out of Snape's earshot, Ron starts laughing and she's like, that was brilliant. Of course, Hermione being Hermione is just like, you should not have said that. Did he take points from Gryffindor? Because I feel like if a kid was an asshole like that to me, I probably would have taken points from their house. He definitely gave him the detention. I don't remember reading that he took points. I don't think he points. gives him points. No. no. Harry's just like, um, hello, he was trying to jinx me or did you not notice that? <laughs> Of course she noticed. <laughs> and he also says, what's Dumbledore playing at letting him teach defense? Did you hear him talking about the dark arts? He, he loves, loves them. <laughs> and this, I think, is funny because Hermione says that she thought he sounded like Harry. I like this comparison. Yeah. Because I agree that he's talking about how painful it can all be. Because regardless of what Harry thinks, Snape has been through a very similar situation. Yeah. yeah. And I, mean, and he I guess sees at this point, by the end Harry of the series, doesn't, but he doesn't know that. that. Yeah. But still. I just love it, though, because Hermione says, when you were talking about what it was like to face Voldemort and how it's not just memorizing spells, it's just you and your guts. That's basically what Snape was saying. It comes down to being brave and quick thinking. And Harry's just like... You memorized my words. Yeah, he's like, he's so, like so like taken shocked. aback. He doesn't he's have so anything sweet. to say. He's just like, she thinks that my words are just as worthy as memorizing as something from the standard book of spells. She's your best friend. Do you really right. think she doesn't pay attention to what you're saying? But they're then interrupted by the arrival of Jack Sloper, who was one of the Gryffindor beaters. We it's talked cute. about the fill-in after the Weasley twins got kicked <laughs> off the team. And he gives Harry a piece of parchment that's rolled up. And says, when are you going to be holding the Quidditch trials? And Harry's just like, oh, I'll let you know. Even though inwardly, he's just like, there's no way you're going to make it back on the team. Like, oh, he was good enough for Angelina. I mean, I don't think there were a lot of options. Probably not. Especially in the middle of the year. People are like, I got to study. Right. But he notices the slanting handwriting on the parchment that looks very familiar because he's seen it more than once at this point and just hurries off with his besties as he unrolls the note. I really like that Jack is like trying to talk to him 
And he says, <laughs> he's like, I was hoping that the tryouts would be this weekend. And Harry just like doesn't respond and turns around and fucks off yeah. to go read the note. Poor Jack. He's just like, whatever. Oh, okay. So anyway, this letter from Dumbledore says, Dear Harry, I would like to start our private lessons this Saturday. Kindly come along to my office at 8 p.m. I hope you're enjoying your first day back at school. Yours sincerely, Albus Dumbledore. P.S. I enjoy acid pops. Ron <laughs> is so dense in this moment. Ron's just like, he enjoys acid pops? What the fuck does that mean? And Harry's just like, it's totally the password. I'm very appreciative that Dumbledore's passwords are always candy. Right? Anyway, we cut the chapter off at Harry's amusement that now he's not going to be able to do Snape's detention. Shameful. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the movie, we just get that brief interaction with McGonagall, as aforementioned, but that's it. That's it. The book goes into all this detail about classes, and and all we get is the screenwriters being a bit of a silly teenager. Like, there's nothing. Really, we only have one new actor to talk about, and that is the amazing Dame Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. I mean, obviously, she didn't get to do much in this, but everything that she does is absolute gold. Mm-hmm. I love when she tells them that's the girl's lavatory. Yes. Not <laughs> and naturally, the, up, the not down. I take like Weasley with you. He's enjoying himself far too much over far there. Too what it was. Much. Yeah, she's so much. cute. I wish I could do a Scottish accent. I can't. But that's really the only new person because, yes, there was a bunch of students milling around the halls, but it was really just Harry, Ron, and McGonagall who did shit. So that is true. But that leads us to our Potter pondering, which is how do you feel about the sixth movie not including any Snape-led Defense Against the Dark Arts classes? Bad. I feel bad about it, too. But maybe you like it. Maybe you're like, I don't want to see Alan Rickman. I don't need more scenes that make me possibly not dislike Snape as much as the books do. <laughs> it's true. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts, or call us at 216 526 6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. That will bring us to this week's wizarding word, which is Mina Lima is launching a new black family tapestry collection. And I'm really freaking excited about this. I have a scarf that has the black family tree on it and it's very beautiful and I, it's not very warm, but it's very comfortable and I like it. And it looks very similar to all this stuff. Oh, it's so cute. So... Mirafora, Mina, and Eduardo Lima were the ones who designed the original tapestry that was in the movie. Pretty much all of the amazing stuff that you see in the movie is their design. But with what they're doing with this is trying to tell the backstory, not just give information, but the mood and the color and the sphere and the history to the scene. Mm -hmm. So that's what led to the big official design that they came up with. Okay. And they're taking that and putting it on a range of items it looks yeah like. different items There's like party bags oh my gosh those are so there's cute. an umbrella notebooks looks like there was a pencil holder these are really cute yeah there's some really neat stuff so i'm looking at an article that was on the wizardingworld.com about it but there is a link to it on mina lima's website their official shop so we will share that because that's oh, all available that's so now. Oh boy, they have Regulus on here and 
It's a skull. Oh, goodness. I'm sad. Yeah, and then, I mean, there's art prints and dishes. Oh, and there's home decor. And, yeah, wallpaper, posters, notebooks, note cards, bags, tote pins. bags, buttons. Yeah, badges, gift bags. A gift tag set, gift wrap. Shop the full yeah. collection. There's tons of stuff. And in general, Mina Lima's shop has gorgeous Harry Potter stuff because, I mean, they're the ones who did it. Yeah. They're also coming out with their versions of the books, and they're these amazing pop-up versions. They're up to the third one. That's the only extra Harry Potter-like stuff that I don't have. I don't have any of yeah. the Mina Lima books, but I have the rest of the Len's stuff. Len's been buying them for me. They're so. very pretty. They're so pretty. So that will lead us into this week's trivia question. This week's trivia question is, who wrote advanced potion making? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word hashtag magical cookbook will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at FoxSakePod. Following us on Podbean at FoxSakePod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at ForFoxSakePodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter-related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, blogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at Pod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake Swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. Check out our page for details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, and the maybe corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are... For Fox Fox Sake. Sake.